0: today Stephen is going to take a look at your family company and how some of deceased estates and family law proceeds could be affecting it. Uh, That will be with Warwick Gilbertson from Turnbull Hill Lawyers. We'll also talk to Henry Jennings about our uh, market update and find out what various companies are doing around the place, the ones that are Proving interesting at the moment, and we'll take a look at currencies and commodities. Thursday finance with Stephen Pritchard. and speaking about silver birds, there are every now and again there are silver birds flying in and out of China at the moment, um, or Japan, uh, and uh, helping with the virus.
1: uh, long as that don't fly in here.
0: Well. Well, as, long as, they they go as long as the government quarantine. keeps up the quarantine rules, yeah, well, so. they're doing well so far. I think, yes, yes, yeah, yes. that's good. But no doubt that will be having an effect on the uh, on the market. And no doubt you and Henry so, Jennings it's not, it's not will bring us up it. No, today. not really.
1: That doesn't affect like everyone thought it would. Oh, good. Yeah, generally across the wood.
0: market, actually hasn't dropped a lot, has it? No, it was actually up the other day. There you go. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so oh, well. So how are commodities? Traveling. Commodity
1: prices, yeah, it hasn't affected them surprisingly. Uh the gold price was up two and a half percent to uh two thousand three hundred and seventy nine dollars. And the crude oil pro- the oil price was up. Five dollars and eight a barrel to eighty-eight dollars and eighty-one cents a barrel, so no no effect there. Uh, the US dollar was uh, down marginally to sixty-six point seven nine cents.
0: Just uh, just speaking about the US dollar, does the US get con- uh, affected by all this lead up to the US elections, the presidential elections? Ah, uh, yeah.
1: All markets get. I mean, markets generally don't like uncertainty, and so we're coming up to the U.S. elections. There's uncertainty, um, but uh, we're still a fair way out. So as yeah, as, the, as the time gets closer, the uncertainty factor will, will, will kind of get greater. Um, um, you know, it's a bit of a mess over there, isn't it? The,
0: <laughs> as you say, the it's Democrats really have.
1: You know, they haven't even decided who's going to yeah. going to run against. Yeah, well, Mr Trump, assuming Mr. Trump runs?
0: Yes. Well that's that's the process at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's, that's the process we're going out. through
1: over there now. So yeah, months away for that. So when is the US elections? Oh, I
0: think it's about November, isn't it? Somewhere there. Yeah, it's months away. Yeah, it is yeah.
1: months away. Mm. Yeah. Uh we could have one before that <laughs> All oh, there's council elections before that. Um, the Great British Pound, uh, we're 51.69 pence, which is uh, very similar to last week. Uh, the euro, we're 61.79 euro cents, which is down 0.17, so not, not much to worry about there. So the currencies are basically all stable around the world compared to the dollar. Um, the markets, um, as we've talked about, pretty much steady. Um, the all-in-news was up... Uh, Fifty-three points on the week, which were to seven thousand two hundred fifty-seven, but that you know that's less than one percent, so not, you know wouldn't classify that as a great move. Uh, the S and P five hundred was three thousand three hundred eighty-six, which was up twelve points, um, and the UK market was uh, up five points to seven thousand four hundred fifty-seven. Um, s- some stocks: uh, BHP was steady on the week, fifty-eight dollars and fifty-four. Uh, CBA was down a six to eighty-seven dollars. 67. Uh, NIB was five dollars twenty six was down sixteen cents, and Telstra managed to rise to three dollars seventy seven. It was up one cent, and the fuel price was down five cents a litre to a dollar forty one point six.
0: Oh, it's excellent, isn't it? Excellent. Going to your Bowser tank at the needs moment. to be filled
1: up. <laughs> uh, your tank needs to be filled up, and uh, Sydney dollar fifty one point seven, which is up seventeen point four cents. Uh, Fill up Some here and drive thing. to Sydney. Yeah. And the diesel price a dollar forty nine point eight compared to a dollar fifty point three cent over the changes there, dollar forty five in Sydney.
0: Thursday finance at the moment on two nurfm RFM Stephen Pritchard. It's time to have a chat with Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Find the
1: marvellous Henry Jennings. Oh, I don't know about the marvellous. Marvellous, marvellous Henry Jennings.
2: The, the busiest ten men at the moment. Oh, it's, okay. It's Super Thursday.
1: Yes, you told me that.
2: Yeah. Well, we have Super Thursday every Thursday in February. Yes. Um, so it is Super Thursday. And, uh, of course, it's, we're in the midst of reporting season, which is always fun and games. Yes. Um, and we don't usually have much time to... Um, Think really, but, yeah, um,
1: especially half year where there's only a limited period there as well.
2: Well, I just wish they'd. Um, I just wish they all wouldn't drop at eight thirty on the dot, mm-hmm. and then expect you to be an expert in them instantly. Oh, well, uh, we,
0: yeah. We have faith in you.
2: Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's it's crazy. It'd be nice if they spaced them out a little mm-hmm. bit.
1: Oh well. Anyway, <laughs> now Crown Resorts. Yes. They, they, their profit rose, but they're expecting it to fall because. All the VIPs, the big whales, or whatever they're called, have deserted them.
2: Well, yeah, it looks like they're trying to focus more on um, the domestic punter mm-hmm. um, because of this. Obviously, coronavirus is the biggest thing um, around at the moment in terms, of, um, in terms of company kind of outlook statements. And we've seen it from, from corporate after corporate saying um, some quantifying what the effects will be on, of corona. Um, and some not so sure, and some being a little bit um, optimistic, I guess, uh, for various reasons. But Crown certainly is one of those stocks that has been uh, impacted uh, by the um, by the lack of um, tourists. I suspect there also um, bushfires and smoke have kept some of those whales away as well. Um, I guess the good news is that um, China is starting to come back online. But Macau is starting to get um, to be open again for punters. Um, Not that that will have an amazing effect on Crown, but at least it shows that uh, things are lessening. The stock's actually up 1% today, um, and it's sort of trying to pull itself back off the mat. So um, it has become the the big issue for um, companies at the moment in in reporting season is uh, how to quantify and how to uh, react to the um, the Chinese uh, corona problem.
1: Yes, and then Kogan's... Kogan said they're going to expect the sales to fall because it's going to be difficult to get goods to sell.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the, uh, this is the supply chain issue that's, uh, that's, that's coming to the fore in terms of uh, running out of stuff uh, that these guys can sell. Having said that, the, the, the results, which were kind of um, already anticipated because they did update the market off those Black Friday sales, and Kogan's getting a little bit trickier to... Um, to, to interpret these days because the old model was that they you know, they basically flogged you plasma TVs and stuff um, and they sourced their own products and they sourced their own products to sell on their platform. Um, but now they're going, they are the Amazon, I guess, of, of Australian um, IT companies and, and, and retail companies because they are now introducing a thing called Coven Marketplace where third-party providers and, and uh, manufacturers and suppliers <laughs> can sell their stuff on Kogan's platform, for which they take a commission as opposed to a margin, as they would do on, on Plasma and, and various other products, which they stick a Kogan name on. So things are changing a little bit. It does does show some, uh, some signs of promise, I have to say. And uh, the market got all upset after the Black Friday numbers, and it's starting to... to to find a little bit more confidence in them. But uh, I have to say it's a bit tentative still, and I think another corona casualty, as we're starting to call them.
1: Yes, and of course, uh, just to prove that uh, every cloud has a silver lining, Ansel's making money out of the coronavirus.
2: (laughs) Every cloud does have a silver lining. Ramping up
1: production, I reckon.
2: Uh, Yeah, they are. Um, These guys, they make, um, they're, they're no longer in the condom market or the sexual wellness business, uh, they flogged that bit out, um, but they are in the making of gloves and protective clothing business, so um, they've been doing pretty well. Although they have come off the highs a little bit. Um, there was a lot of anticipation in those results that we saw, um, but the stock is um, it's certainly one of the winners. There's a, there's a bunch of other sort of wannabe biotech stocks out there as well that have been uh, very volatile uh, on, uh, on the news coming out of China in terms of um, uh, you know contracts to uh, to to be uh, treating the, the virus or treating uh, some of the patients and casualties. So um, yeah, it, it's I guess it's you know what's one man's uh, bad news is another man's good news.
0: Mm.
1: So that's right. And uh, we'll just have a quick talk about BHP and then come back. So BHP's profits risen to some four million eight hundred and sixty-eight million US dollars. Well, the tongue doesn't it yeah i know was just trying uh, in australia well, that must be uh, you know that must be getting close to six billion <laughs> and, uh, yeah yeah and the dividends increased to 65 cents but they're, they're concerned about the future going forward there as well
2: yeah i, I you know it's another not, i wouldn't say this is a corona casualty this is this is more on global uh growth slowdown um also if they had uh, ports in uh, china blocked etc to some of their shipments but bhp this is kind of um, the king is dead long live the king and this is the, the baton has now passed from andrew mckenzie to the new ceo mike henry and i have to say andrew mckenzie's left bhp in a pretty good state uh, he's done a pretty good job over the last what is it four five years i guess um he's done a, a pretty good job far better than some of his predecessors had done, um, And what was interesting from Mike Henry was, uh, was his talking about changing the culture of BHP. One analyst, did, <laughs> I love this, one analyst described BHP as a Friday company where the workers come into work every week, and there's 72,000 of them, and look forward to Friday, and they need to change the culture into a Monday company where people look forward to coming into work and uh, being more flexible, more productive, and bought and being more innovative. So this, this is Mike Henry's big challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, BHP, the big Aussie, um, although CSL and CBA are, are bigger these days, um, is uh, certainly on you know, doing an exceptionally good job um, and um,
0: not too much to worry about there. To RFM, this is Thursday Finance. We're in the middle of our market update with Henry Jennings. Over to you, Stephen Pritchard. Um,
1: and uh, S Centre, which runs the Westfield Centers, has yeah. uh, raised, said they've got solid uh, sales growth across the centres, which yeah. I think is about 2% or something, and raised yeah. the distribution to 11.3 yeah. cents per share, which I, I was surprised that they had any sales growth.
2: So am I. <laughs> I bet they were as well. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, the, the, the problems in retail have been pretty well um, you know, well known for some time. It does seem that retail after retailer is, is falling off the perch. Some, some do well and, and thrive, um, but others do struggle, and we have seen a kind of a whole raft of um of of retailers closing this year going into administration and those sorts of things so hardly a surprise that center group which um has all these westfield centers um it has been struggling it's um certainly when you consider um the relative performance of something like center group which is obviously focused on retail shopping centers uh, and vicinity which is in the same space only worse um, they, they had a, a really shocking result. Mm-hmm. And then you look at um, Goodman Group, which is um, a, um, a, a real estate investment trust, as they're called, a REIT, which is focused on logistics centres and satisfying online purchases and the whole supply chain thing, which are at record highs, and the other ones are languishing. In the case of vicinity, very much languishing, and, and uh, with uh, Centre Group, they're, they're hardly much better. So um, there is a big divergence in in the, the, uh, the REIT space. Usually they can kind of tended to move all in one go as they're all relatively similar. But uh, I guess that the, the, the consumer confidence, the state of the local economy, has really opened up the, the cracks in the divergence and the bifurcation of these kind of stocks with, with uh, things like Goodman's going really well and vicinity going
1: pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. And then... Uh IDWF came out with a profit of 115 million, down from 135. Mm. Um, I didn't think that that was too bad, considering all the dramas they've been going through. No,
2: no. It's, I guess you know the whole financial services landscape is changing, and uh, it probably wasn't a bad result given all things. Even even our old friends, if friends is the right word, AMP, um, which came out with some some relatively. Um, yeah, They weren't the best results in the world, but at least we could see that, you know, I think I think if you were marking their school report, it would be a, a C plus. must try harder, but heading in the right direction sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think IFL actually didn't do too badly. The, I, lo- I love the, the independent order of odd fellows, isn't it? Isn't yes. That great?
1: Oh,
2: that. 1830s name. Yeah, fantastic. So, so yeah, there does seem to be some signs of life with the odd fellows uh, have to say. They're not quite so odd.
1: Yes, and of course, Domino's. Well, I thought this was surprising.
2: This was. You know how much I hate Domino's, and being a pizza snob that I am. My wife and I have have had pizza in many fine establishments in Italy, and I'm not a big fan of Domino's, but these guys uh, did all right. Um, It seems that we still love pizza in Australia. Japan pizza was going well. European pizza was going well. Um, and, think, and there's a big short position in this stock as well. About 9% of the stock is short. So those those guys had a, a pretty um, uncomfortable day yesterday. It was up around, I can't remember, about 10%. It's up about 2.5% today, 64.54. And what, what I think is quite interesting is it stopped pretending it is a um, tech stock, and it's, it's really a, a stock that sells franchises, opens stores, and sells pizza. And one thing that did catch my eye when I was listening to um, the CEO um, speaking on TV yesterday is he, he was saying how versatile pizza is, and I hadn't really thought about this before, in that you, know, you can have a low-carb pizza, you can have gluten-free pizza, you can have a vegan pizzas, you can have all sorts of different kinds of pizzas. So they are catering to uh, a, a wide market, I have to say, and certainly you know, stock prices are doing well. We could yet see it back up to those halcyon days. It was eighty plus.
1: And you'll be able to get your five dollar pizza from them, Henry. Think of all the money to you're gonna save.
2: I don't think I've I've ever had a five dollar Domino. Well, if I have it, it was a long time ago and probably the worst for wear to be ordering five dollar pizza from Domino.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, and just to finish up, Bendigo and Adelaide Banks cuts their uh, dividend by four cents and
2: can you make some capital. Yeah, I mean, I guess this just shows the problem with regional banks. Um, and while the other banks have been doing well, spending money on IT, and they have the systems, you know, Commonwealth Bank's got great IT and great, um, you know, apps and systems and, and whatever. They're sort of, you know, been racing ahead. Bendigo just shows the problems that these small guys have had um, competing with the big boys, and it's it's not an easy game for them. They had to raise $300 bucks, cut the dividends, um, you can see that it's it's going to be hard work for these guys to compete, despite the fact that we have this this housing boom that's erupted again. Um, it's you know they'll probably claw their way back up just because of the of the yield. But um, it, it's a tough game being a regional bank when the big four are so um, entrenched, aggressive, mm-hmm. and um,
1: better technology. Okay, okay. Well, we might talk to you next week, Henry. Thanks, Harry.
0: And have a happy Thursday. Super Thursday next week as well. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure it will be. So uh, that's Henry Jennings, who is Senior Market Commentator at Marcus today. Coming up on Thursday Finance, we're going to find out about your family company and how it could be impacted by things like deceased estates and maybe family law uh, problems. Thursday Finance, and we can take a look at your family company and. uh, Stephen Pritchard, and also how it might be, um, well, affected by things like wills and family law matters, and Warwick Gilbertson, who's partner at Turnbill Hill Lawyers, joins us today. Hello, Stephen.
1: Hello, Warwick.
3: Hi, Stephen. Hello, Jane. How are you? Good
1: we're, to have you. We're good. We're oh, I are. love
3: the music, by the way, like Stevie Wonder, like yes. the brass
1: in it. Yes. Jane good personally goodness. selected that.
0: <laughs> My girl. <laughs>
1: there you go. So, um, we just uh, how, how does a uh, so lots of people seem to have these family companies these days for various reasons. So, how do they get dealt with in a will?
3: Stephen, it, it's two ways in which they get dealt with in a will. First of all, you have to decide who you got to leave the shares to, if you want to leave control of the company. Um, as some people would be aware if they have sufficient shareholding then they could control the company under the constitution and if you leave these shares to them then they can vote ensure that they step in as directors uh, if it's a sole director company then they need to deal with that specifically on that basis uh, if there are other directors there then they'd be very wise to seriously think about uh, who the person can can be appointed as a director may prior to death so the shares just continue that um, the other situation that can happen is if they don't do that and if the will is silent so you've just got a will that says I leave everything say for example to my kids equally mm-hmm. um, who's going to get it and how they're going to deal with it um, That's going to be a problem, and the executor will step in and will take control. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. So, of course, very big problems can arise when you've got a sole director company and people don't leave a will at all. That's, they can, uh,
3: except the the company, the Corporations Act says um, that the legal personal representative can step in and appoint the director mm-hmm. with a sole director, sole shareholder company. But there are big problems, and people would be leaving the issue with the executor as to how to get a to deal with it. And then they have to look at the powers of executor. If you've got to have a company, you need to make sure that in your will, you sufficiently empower the executor to be able to deal with the company. And you've got to look at also who's in, um, what assets are in the company. So one of the most common difficulties I see with people with companies, and you undoubtedly as well, companies have been around for a long, long time. And somebody wants to hand over the business to a chosen child. Mm -hmm. So they do the right thing. They hand the shares over and they make sure the child's in as one of the directors or is becomes the sole director because they've got the power. Um, But they're sitting in that company loans owing to the person who's just died or indeed retain earnings or other that are for them that, that are assets and in their will, they leave control of the company to one child, but then leave the rest of the estate um, to fall into what us lawyers call residue and to go to other children. Yep. And those other kids say, There's a debt there that the estate's entitled to, pay it. Yes. And suddenly you'll find in that what was a gift of hand over the business suddenly becomes a noose around the child's neck to try and keep it together. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So that has to be dealt with. So it's private companies with shares and wills. One has to go further than just the shares. You've got to look at the financials within the company. You've got to drill down to see what a person's real interest is.
1: So it's a lot more complex than just um, I leave my BHC shares to, to my sons and daughters. It's,
3: it's a bigger exercise. That's, that's you a know, a, a, a shares that are on the um, exchange... It's dead easy. You just leave your shares and nominate them. And you can do that because that's what they are. But private companies, you've got to go further into that. And you've also – I've always recommended, and my practice is, if I have someone who comes to see me for a will, when they have companies, I want to see their constitution. I want to see their financials. I want to have a discussion with someone like yourself and say, hey, how has this person been dealing with the company? The financials tell me this. Is there anything I
1: should know? Yes, yes. And so, so we'll just have a quick break and come back and talk about um, how you hand over control of a company in a will or, or family court orders.
0: Yeah, that'll be fine.
1: Okay. Thanks, this Warwick.
0: is where well we're talking about companies and um, laws, family law and uh, things. And Thursday Finance on to a new RFM. Thursday Finance, Stephen Pritchard. We're talking with Warwick Gilbertson from Turnbull Hill Lawyers.
1: Oh, uh, Warwick? Yes, Stephen. So so they, if you want to hand over the control of the companies, or you've got it because of family court order, how does that all work?
3: Right, if you get a, first of all, the family court's got to be able to have jurisdiction over your companies. So if the directors and shareholders are um, the parties to the marriage, mum and dad who are before the court arguing, then clearly the court has jurisdiction. Um, If you happen to be, a shareholder and a director of a company where there are persons who I would call foreign to the family relationship, Uh, at law we call them third parties, it's logical, Stephen, Um, then the court does have actual power over third parties under certain circumstances. But let's deal with the first instance, a a company which is the most common where there's mum and dad who are the sole shareholders of directors. What you'd want to do in those circumstances is have a order where there's a resignation of a directorship, um, to the uh, and a transfer of the shares under the order from one party to the other party to the marriage, whoever wants to keep the company. Mm-hmm. The court will not allow the company to continue in existence with both of them in, uh, together because parliament. Parliament put upon the judges a duty to cease financial relationships. And so separating that and finishing that, someone has to take it on or else they have to sell the assets of the company, go through the process of um, going through the taxation requirements and maybe liquidating the company um, and going through all of those issues and then... Dispersing the the, uh, distributing the money by way of dividends through to each
1: other. Mm -hmm. And so, 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 what happens if the uh, say say someone passes away and they 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 leave the shares to someone, and and the company's got the usual kind of constitution that the directors can refuse to transfer the shares. What happens then?
3: Well, a good question. Um, first of all, the person who's the director, uh, if the willmaker was the director, one of the directors, obviously, the moment they die, they cease to be yep. the director. That's just a simple statement. However, if they refuse to transfer those shares, then the executor, under the person's will, has the capacity to go through the law to require that that asset be dealt with by the directors. Most company constitutions have in their constitution that the uh, shares will be transferred to the person the constitution calls the legal personal representative who is the executor of the estate. But you'd want to have a look at that constitution. If the directors refuse to, where the constitution said that's what was to happen then the executor with a grant of probate could force that to uh, happen through the um, corporation's law.
1: Yeah, so this this can all get quite complex, particularly if it's not done properly to start with.
3: It's always got to be done properly. And you people need to remember that, first of all, assets within a company are not theirs. Their interest is the share. Yep. Um, you have to look at the Constitution to see what that says to your directorships. You have to look at what it says in regard to how to deal with the shares and what the requirements are. And so it's not as simple as just doing a will and saying, I do my will and I leave everything to X. You have to look at what will that will do when, mm. in regard to that entity, that company, when I die. So it's, it's, there's a, it's a three or four step process.
1: And the the family law court, what power have they actually got over the companies?
3: Um, they have considerable power over companies. Um, once, if they're just parties to the marriage, they can um, make orders and they can give injunctions, they can order things to happen, they can direct the directors um, to do specific actions to ensure that... Um, orders can be made to comply with. They can require something to be sold within a company because the directors and the shareholders are parties to the marriage, so the court can direct them. Often, though, we will get companies where you might have a family company where you've got three or four different children Mm -hmm. in a family enterprise, um, and they each have their own spouses... And one of their children's marriages breaks down. Yes, then the court actually has specific powers over third their third parties. So if you have a, a company where one of your siblings goes through a marriage breakup, um, there can be orders made in regard to their interests. But the law requires specifically that they there are certain hoops to be gone through. And one of those hoops is that if the court's got to make orders in regard to a company that is not um, property of the married parties and others are involved, then first of all, they've got to give notice to that company. They've got to give notice to the other persons involved so that those people can be heard. And you can end up at the court arguing where you've got three or four parties to a case, yes. where, which is just a property division between between yeah. two husband and wife. Yeah. It's happened. We often do it.
1: I'm sure. We okay. Well, thanks for that uh, work. We've got to leave it there because we've run out of time. But, but it's thanks. quite clear you need to get proper advice on this.
3: Oh, absolutely, you need to. And don't end, don't wait for the crisis to hit. Get the advice when you know. I think we may have a problem. Okay. That's
0: very good advice. Thank you, Warwick Gilbertson from Turnville Hill War Lawyers. And you can catch this program on uh, on podcast on 2NURFM.com. Thanks
2: for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.